Good evening. This is Chad Swimmer with my friend Paul Schulman. And thank you for joining us tonight on the Trail Stewards Radio Hour. We'll be listening to excerpts from a recent gallery bookshop presentation of our new coffee table book, What Would You Call This Gem of a Forest? But first, we are going to hear from youth climate and forest activists Sarah Constance Rose, Walker, and Ravel Gautier, as well as a statement from Mama Tree Network and the Mendocino Trail Stewards Board. And finally, we're going to have the long-awaited return of the second grade science report. Coming at you after a little more of Gene Parsons on the banjo from Camp One at the Woodlands. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's been awfully nice weather, but kind of a little bit creepy. <laughs> yeah. I was out in the woods riding my bike the other day, and it felt like summer dry and crackly underneath my tires. Though I think we did have one fifteenth of an inch of rain last night. Yeah, we're, we're actually having to water our garden. <laughs> So as you may have heard, CAL FIRE is in the process of conducting a number of outreach tours um, in Casper 500, East Berry, uh, probably Little North Fork Big River, Mitchell Creek, Jug Handle, trying to create social license for continuation of business as usual. And the trail stewards have put together a statement, an official statement from the board. We would like to go to Lynn Pascal. While we respect CAL FIRE reaching out to the public, we wonder if this is a genuine avenue for input or just an infomercial for continuation of business as usual. We do not accept the legitimacy of any timber harvest in Jackson until the Coyote Valley Band of POMO's government-to-government consultations have come to an agreement satisfactory to all parties. Furthermore, we do not believe that timber harvest, road building, or timber harvest plan development should continue under the present outdated environmental impact report. Climate change, as you know, is the most pressing issue facing humankind, and timber harvest has been shown to be one of the most substantial contributors. The Trail Stewards encourages you to attend these tours in order to hear firsthand what CAL FIRE has planned and to express your beliefs about what is an appropriate use of public lands in general, and Jackson in particular. That was Lynn Pascal of the Mendocino Trail Stewards Board. The first of these events was last Friday. It was well attended and cordial. It was a hot day and there were many loggers and mill people. There were also many environmentalists and a few people in the middle. I personally don't think anybody was undecided when they went into this and I don't think the event changed anybody's minds. Cal Fire did present its case that of course this means jobs and they are doing a good thing for the health of the forest. and. The environmentalists presented their case that this is not the case. I think CAL FIRE is missing the point that Casper 500 is really the location where all of the resistance to Jackson policy since 1990 has originated. As we told them 
two years ago, practically, that this timber harvest plan was going to be a public relations disaster, and that if they hadn't have put this plan in place, that nobody would have shown up to protest any of the plans anywhere. So maybe it's a good thing, because now we're really working hard, and there's a a broad-based coalition trying to change this misguided policy. I... At the event, spoke with a number of youth activists, and I'm going to play just some short excerpts of that, but also like to refer you to a show that I do on Thursday, the fourth Thursday at midnight, Disquiet on the Western Front. And this upcoming episode on the night of the 24th or the morning of the 25th of February will feature youth activism. And also a little bit of Alicia Bales talking about when she was a youth and activist in the Albion Uprising in the 1990s. Let's go to Sarah Constance Rose, recorded on February 11th at the Casper Scales, also known as the Kiosk, also known as the site of the new proposed East Casper Community Park. Hi! Sarah, how are you doing here? Pretty good. I'm excited to see what this will be like. What are you doing here? Um, I'm just here to go on this Cal Fire tour, check out what their talking points are, and bring the youth perspective. And you are the founder of the Mendocino County Youth for Climate? Co-founder, but yeah. Co-founder. So what would you say, what is your official opinion on the cutting of large redwoods? I am extremely against it. Large second growth coast redwoods like this are the best carbon sequesters in the world. And I would like to live in a climate in the future where I can breathe. Nice. And um, can I ask you, you have an event set up soon. What is the date? On March 25th, we are striking school and going to Sacramento to tell our lawmakers that they need to make a change here in Jackson. Is this a local action or is it a statewide? It's anybody that wants to come, starting local and hopefully moving statewide as big as possible. Are you trying to get it out there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Working on planning and outreaching to everyone right now. Great. Well, I look forward to being there and hearing more and talking to your uh, partner, Ravel. Yeah, my other co-founder. Thanks. Well, have a great walk. (laughs) Thanks. We are here speaking with Walker. How old are you, Walker? Uh, I am currently 16, and I'm out here because I want to keep these trees alive, and they've always been my friend. So would you consider yourself a youth activist? Yeah, I I would. I tree set. That was up in the Gemini tree, right? Yes, yes. And also in Mama Tree, which was my first time. It was scary just in the beginning because when I woke up, I was I looked immediately straight down and I was 65 feet off the ground and I wasn't awake fully so it kind of scared me. I'm like, "Oh great, I'm 65 feet up in a tree." <laughs> How did you sleep? Um, it was actually really comfortable. It wasn't that cold. I Thanks so much for speaking with us, Walker. Yeah. Ravel Gautier, how are you doing? I'm good. You are one of the founders of the Mendocino County Youth for Climate. Is that correct? That is. So can you tell me about this group? Youth have been really involved in the Jackson Demonstration State Forest movement here on Mendocino County since the beginning. And uh, we just wanted to give the youth in this county who are speaking up for the climate a formal voice and a formal organization where they can join together. Currently, we're focusing on the injustice in Jackson Demonstration State Forest, but we hope to expand to other issues. 
You're 12? I'm 12 years old. Wow. What's your birthday? Uh, July 3rd. If you right now had Governor Newsom in front of you, what would you ask him? What would you tell him? Um, what I would probably say was, you have created a plan to conserve 30% of California's uh, land and water resources by 2030. That's the 30 by 30 initiative. Uh, you created that. And you don't seem to be doing anything to accomplish it. It's all well and good to create goals and look like you're doing something. But to really have an impact, words aren't going to help. Promises aren't going to help. You have to take immediate action. And it has to be controversial. And one thing you could do was to be put a moratorium a permanent moratorium on logging in Jackson State Forest. And if people react negatively, you just know you did the right thing. And if you don't do that, and if you don't take any action, I'm going to be pretty disappointed in you. Because you made a promise to the citizens of California. And if you don't fulfill that promise, being perhaps the one person who has the power to, what kind of politician are you? Do you have anything you would like to add? If you have children or if you want to come to Sacramento on March 25th and help us uh, campaign for a moratorium on logging in Jackson Demonstration State Forest, then come out and go to savejackson.org, see what you can do to get involved. Uh, email us at Mendocino County Youth for Climate at gmail.com uh, to see how you can get involved. And uh, we happily accept new members. Uh, even if you're from out of the area, we're always looking for people to help us stop climate injustice. That is great. Thanks, Ravel. Thank you. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you, Chad. And now we will go to Michelle McMillan from the Mama Tree Network, who went on the CAL FIRE tour, and will give us an update on how it went from her perspective. A very small crowd compared to the well over 100 that regularly show up for tribal chairman hunters tours. Many questions were asked, and for the most part, the same tired company lines were given as responses. All science and data given to the department were rebuked with statements such as, that's a gross generalization, and context is everything. Conversation wasn't wanted, just a desire to gloss over criticism and move on to the next topic. Nearly every topic they spoke of had glaring scientific and data gaps, talking about timber jobs but not mentioning tourism jobs that rely on large trees and good trail networks, talking about carbon sequestration but ignoring carbon emissions from harvest, talking about demonstrations and how important they are, but they couldn't share how to access demonstration information or when, if, the demonstrations are ever utilized. As for the Native issues, Kevin Conway says they're doing a wonderful job at government-to-government consultations with the tribes. We don't think the tribes would agree with that. All in all, it was a bust for anyone that isn't already a company yes-man. Will we attend the next one? We're not sure we're willing to waste another afternoon listening to their climate mitigation denialism. The next tour in JDSF will be with Tribal Chairman Michael Hunter on Sunday, February 27th, meeting at Jug Handle State Park in Casper before moving to JDSF for a short hike. We hope to see you all there.
the Miller Family Band, performing at the Camp One Amphitheater at the Mendocino Woodlands. And you are listening to the Trail Stewards Radio Hour on KZUIX and Z. On the evening of January 27th, the Gallery Bookshop, in partnership with Book Arts Mendocino, hosted a presentation of our new coffee table book, What Would You Call This Gem of a Forest? Our aim with this book was both to portray the beauty and also the destruction of Jackson State Forest and to give a broad-based picture of the movement that's going on now to save the place that we now call Jackson, the People's Forest. Here are some highlights from that event. Good evening, and thank you all for joining us. I'm Chad Swimmer. I'm co-founder of the Mendocino Trail Stewards and an editor and contributor to this to the book of the evening. What would you call this gem of the forest? Before we get into the program, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge that this place that's known as the Mendocino Coast and all of Jackson, the People's Forest, and truly all of North America, this is all unceded, stolen land. This land here where I sit now is not managed, but tended lovingly by the Coast Yuki and Northern Pomo peoples for thousands of years without the felling of a single large tree. As my friend and comrade, Michael Hunter, the tribal chairman of the Coyote Valley Band of Pomo said, the Redwoods tell our stories. The Redwoods know our stories. As his mother, the longtime environmental and indigenous rights activist, Priscilla Hunter has reminded us more than once, the Redwoods and all the plants and trees and critters that live together with them are family. Whether they are our family depends entirely upon us. Do we care for them? and treat this land with love? Or do we treat it as a resource to be exploited, extracted, and pillaged? Truly, this to me is the question that could make or break the human race. Can we learn to treat this planet with love? Can we? And I would like to introduce my friend, Vince Taylor. Vince Taylor moved to Casper in 1990, became involved with Jackson Forest in the early 90s, and started the first campaign to restore Jackson State Redwood Forest in two th- the year 2000. The campaign prevailed in five lawsuits against the California Department of Forestry. It shut down logging in Jackson Forest for nine years and cut the rate of logging in half. It forced the Department of Forestry to create a high-level advisory group to develop a long-range management plan for the forest. In a remarkable achievement, the advisory group reached complete consensus but their plan to revise management methods and goals was killed by the head of CAL FIRE and the Board of Forestry in 2011. And I will add that we are here today because of that. And I would also add that Vince Taylor's efforts saved 500 million board feet worth of trees from slaughter. So Vince Taylor, welcome. Thank you, Chad. Thank Thank you. you. Well, as Chad said, I've been at this uh, business for quite a long time, starting in the 1990s, and I've studied the Jackson Forest more than I would um, be willing to admit. But I'm thinking about what, what could I tell people who don't know so much about Jackson Forest? Why is it that people are uh, so dedicated to trying to save the forest? And I came down for me to a very simple thing. Jackson Forest is a state forest. That means it's a forest that's owned by the people of California. If you just think about that, do you think the people of California 
really would like their own redwood trees being logged for a few dollars of profit instead of being allowed to recover and to restore themselves to the majesty of which they're capable? I think not. So the situation we're in is one where it's obvious to anyone who thinks about it for even a moment that there's no defensible reason for logging in Jackson State Forest. After all, there are millions of acres of timberland that are owned by private people that they're doing logging on. We have this one uh, area that's owned by the state. But, but I ask you, are we a socialist country? Do we want to be in the business of competing against private enterprise? I think the answer is obvious. There was never a good reason to be logging in Jackson Forest. And now with climate change and fire risk and the need for more outdoor recreation and spiritual nourishment for the increasing number of people that live in cities, there isn't really any defensible reason for continuing this. And we who are working to defend it understand that well. But unfortunately, I think it's just the same as it is with the climate crisis, where people who are paying any attention understand that we are on a road to catastrophe, and yet nobody is doing anything about it. Well, it's the same with Jackson Forest. The people who have managed this forest it's as though they're on some freight train where the engineer has gone to sleep and they're heading down the road just like they did before without paying any attention to the fact that we're also hurtling right over that cliff uh, of, dis of disaster. So I thought I would um, bring that because I think you don't know to know a lot about the forest. You just need to know it's a redwood forest. We own the trees in it and the state should not be logging in there. I, I wanna read a little bit from the introduction I wrote because it kind of captures uh, for me a little better than I can do extemporaneously how it all comes together for me. I think our world is on the brink of irreversible catastrophe. We're hurtling toward the cliff while government fiddles. The carbon value of the trees in Jackson is greater than their log value. Yet our state agencies continue logging. The state proclaims it wants forests to contribute 30% of the state's carbon reduction in the next eight years, yet it won't stop logging its own forest. The 50,000 acres of Jackson Forest may seem insignificant compared to the millions of acres of private timberland, but if we can't save a redwood forest that's owned by the people, what's the hope of saving our planet? True, I think that is so true. If we save Jackson Forest, on the other hand, it will become a symbol of what is possible. Year by year, the forest will recover. Clear cuts will heal. Streams now clogged with logging settlement will become clear. Salmon will return. Stands of mature trees will move steadily toward becoming old growth. Redwood dependent species will multiply. A recovering Jackson Forest will pause an ever starker contrast to industrial timberlands, building public pressure to rein in the timber industry. A forest often inhospitable to visitors now will become an inviting retreat. Parents will bring their children and decades later, these children will return with their own children to experience the forest 
wonders, joys, and healing. And I might say for me, the main reason I got involved with Jackson Forest was just walk into the woods and feel the peace and the nourishment and the reverence that comes into your being when you're surrounded by redwood trees that haven't been disturbed for even a hundred years. They're incredible. So I want to just end my this little talk here with, with uh, a plea to you that if you believe in what we're trying to do here, please join this insurgency against the state at savejackson.org. That's pretty simple, savejackson.org. And become one of the thousands of Davids we need to overcome Goliath. Thank you for your attention. You are listening to the Trail Stewards Radio Hour. And let's go back to our special event at the Gallery Bookshop in cyberspace with Belvy Rooks. I'd like to introduce Belvy Rooks. I'm very honored, very happy to have here. Belvy and her late husband, Dayton Gills, are co-founders of Growing a Global Heart, a project and vision designed to inspire the ceremonial planting of memorial trees to honor the forgotten souls of the past as part of a process of collective healing and to aid in the struggle against catastrophic climate change. Belvi is also an essayist, an educator, human rights and social justice activist whose work weaves the worlds of spirituality, feminism, and ecology. Belvi, thank you for being with us. <laughs> it's my honor. Thank you so much. I will share the first poem from that Didan actually worked on in while he was in Zen Hospice. He passed from this realm um, in December of 2015, but I wanted I know that he would be out there in the in the forest with us, and I wanted to honor just his memory and his passion for the collective and the whole. And this poem is entitled, The Tree and Me. Morning glow, prelude to flight. Moving shadows, dazzling light. Insect array. Melodic sound, wandering roots, fertile ground. Dying leaf, tender bud, sun-parched earth, winter mud. Sanctuary joy, leafy glade, April showers, summer shade. Carbon loving, oxygen giving, the tree and me, reciprocal living. Hushed in silence, your canopies entrance. Together we live, together we dance. Ah. <sighs> Thank you, Dedon. We know you're somewhere plotting along with the ancestors who are gathered in this moment. The poem that I will read 
the next one actually um, is Blessed Be a Gift of Remembrance for Judy Berry. And I actually um, wrote this about the time that she, pa she passed. And I was thinking about her and uh, actually a version of this poem actually appeared in Sacred Poems and Prayers of Love a few years ago. And I kind of tweaked it being up back up here in Mendocino and being in the forest. Blessed be a gift of remembrance for Judy Berry. Gift of spirit that I am, I am called this morning to this ancient place of solitude and silence. Called by ancestral voices from a deeply troubling sleep. Called once again to this place of whispered remembrances where the sacred voices of long forgotten ancestors rustle silently through these ancient and now endangered groves. Summoned by these ancient grandmothers to this most holy place to bear witness to the first faint rays of another dawning day. Please grant us in your mercy and grace the gift of wisdom that we may remember even at this late hour to love, to honor, to protect and defend the most precious of your many gifts, our children and the forests. Blessed be. And final offering is from my friend, our friend, Alice Walker, and I, this, this poem has meant a lot to me. Didan and I were married um, in Ghana in 2007, and since we had too many friends and children and grandchildren, we eloped to Ghana. We decided, we, we, we ran away. And uh, after our ceremony, our first visit was to Elmina Slave Dungeon. And people ask, why are you, would you go to a slave dungeon on such a happy occasion as your wedding? And, and we explained that we were really wanting to honor the fact that for people who look like me in this part of the, in this hemisphere, we all had one ancestor, at least one who came through the more than 100 slave dungeons along the west coast of Africa. And it was a very heartbreaking and um, experience. 
And when I was at my lowest in terms of being in a place where for 300 years, men, women, and children had been sold without interruption for 300 years. And the African elders had said to us, when you go into places like those, the slave dungeons, you want to go to the nearest running body of water and ritually wash your feet because you don't want to walk with all that sorrow. I had neglected to do that and so cried for two or three couple of days and Didan came and reminded me and asked me beyond the sorrow and the anger and the tears, what would healing look like? And I went down to the ri river with the slave, the, it's the ocean and the slave dungeon was in the background and was ritually washing my feet and this phrase kept coming, plant a tree, plant a tree. And at some point I realized that it was um, from a poem of Alice's that I love called Torture. And because of the title, I think I had always thought of it that it was a poem about sadness. And in that moment of trying to understand how best to honor all of these forgotten souls and this recurring mantra of plant a tree, I realized that it was actually a poem about healing. Torture by Alice Walker. When they torture your mother, plant a tree. When they torture your father, plant a tree. When they torture your brother and your sister, plant a tree. When they assassinate your leaders and your lovers, plant a tree. When they torture you, too bad to talk, plant a tree. When they begin to torture the trees and cut down the forests that they have made, start another. That was Belvie Rooks reading a poem by Alice Walker. Previously, she read a poem by her late husband, Deedon Gills, and a poem she herself wrote in memory of Judy Berry. Belvie Rooks, essayist, educator, human rights, and social justice activist, whose work weaves the worlds of spirituality, feminism, and ecology together. You are listening to KZYX and Z. And this is a special presentation of the Gallery Bookshop and the Book Arts of Mendocino Zoom event for the Mendocino Trail Stewards book, What Would You Call This Gem of a Forest? I would like to introduce Cal Winslow. Cal is a director of the Mendocino Institute and a past fellow in environmental history at UC Berkeley. He was trained at Antioch College and Warwick University, UK where he studied under the direction of the late Edward Thompson. He is a co-author with Thompson of Albion's Fatal Tree. He was a professor of labor studies at the Center for Worker Education, City College of New York, a visiting senior lecturer at the Northern College for Residential Adult Education in South Yorkshire, and a visiting professor at the Evergreen State University. He is author or editor of a dozen books, most recently, Radical Seattle, the General Strike of 1919, 
and E.P. Thompson and the Making of the New Left. He is an editor and contributor to West of Eden, Communes and Utopia in Northern California. He and his wife, Faith Simon, a family nurse practitioner, are founding members of Mendocino Parents for Peace and are associated with the Bay Area Gathering Retort. They live near Casper and near me, Cal. Yeah. Yes, yes, we do. Um, thanks so much, uh, Chad, and, and thank you, Bellevue. That was wonderful, and Vince. Um, my contribution takes us back to the first days of, of cutting in the ancient forests, when thousands of loggers worked in the western woods, a time when loggers were idealized for their courage, and in the face of uh, extreme danger, and malevolent employers, and were also imagined to be in the vanguard of the progressive movement of the time. So here's what uh, some of what I, I, I wanted to contribute. The loggers took down every tree within reach. The slash, the mass of rubble left behind was burned. Limbs, bark, other trees, undergrowth, birds and animals, beds of redwood sorrel, the ferns and flowers, everything that could not es escape, all perished. Entire ecosystems were destroyed, leaving the ridges charred, streams unrecognizable. Salmon, forever the staple of the North Coast, became endangered and remained so, in many places extinct. The loggers themselves, often emerged from these fires blackened as coal miners, lungs ravished, bodies bent, sometimes broken. The loggers worked 12 hours a day, often seven days a week, and lived in company shacks, often in company towns. The work in the mills was no better, no, not easier, not safer. Giant saws, horrific noise, dust and smoke, deadly belts. Hospital records reveal the human costs. Thank you, Cal. The situation isn't much different now with logging being one of the most dangerous jobs in the whole country, yet people are fighting to keep it going. I would like to introduce now Teresa Whitehill. Teresa is a California poet, letterpress printer, and graphic designer. She served as poet laureate for the city of Ukiah from 2009 through 2011. Her interrelated focus on literary and book arts came out of her studies at Mills College in the early 1980s. Since 1984, she has lived in Mendocino County, where she is well known to local poetry audiences. Her, her collections of poetry include A Grammar of Longing, A Natural History of Mill Towns, Deep Valley, Poet Laureate's, Poets Laureate of Ukiah, 2001 to 2018. Her poetry and letterpress broadsides are in numerous fine press collections, including the Getty Center for the Arts, the John Hay Library of Brown University, Stanford University Special Collections, and the Bancroft Library at UC Berkeley. And if I'm not mistaken, Teresa is one of the founders of Book Arts of Mendocino. Teresa Whitehill, thanks for joining us. 
Hi. Good evening, everybody. Thank you, Chad. Thank you, Gallery Bookshop. And thank you to all the participants of Book Arts Mendocino. Bam. I'm going to read you my poem manifesto from the book. This was written shortly after I arrived in Mendocino County in uh, 1984. Uh, Judy Berry was still alive. And this poem came from just a couple years after I arrived. Manifesto. We are the limited species. We recognize feelings when they vibrate. Otherwise, we are dull. Why be ashamed of this? All we ask is to be loved with words. A soft mutter of vocal cords against the ear. I used to take lovers sometimes just for what they would say after. After, when the words roll out unhaunted, unpremeditated, without preface. So tear out the prefaces to books. Pay attention to the wind when it gets to sawing at the phone wires. Because we are out tonight. We're gathering flashlights and ropes the way we used to gather words of love. I once thought that to be a kitten inside the belly of a purring cat was more than heaven. What is it? It's like nothing in these courtrooms. The warm tremble in the ear, the frenzy pacing itself through the body, undoing time, realigning entire shelves of books my father insisted were correct and complete, smash it. History moves to a crowd raising their fists for trees. They ask for justice. They don't know the half of it. Don't know the sweet texture of tongue when it turns to words, trembling words like, go to sleep now. Everything will be okay. Words like, we're sorry. You were beaten by policemen who laughed. It's what we fight for. Why we're drawing the line tonight, deep in the woods where floodlights don't reach, where the laws of this land stagger in their uneven weight. For someone to say, I want to make it up to you personally because I am a judge, which means water in an Indian dialect. Or my grandma was a strong woman. She said the trees will grow again. I say, let them grow then. I say we have started in motion something that could never have been imagined. It is stronger than the trees now. Why be ashamed of it? It's part of our gift. Limits, variance, tolerance. It's one of the first gifts in the Garden of Eden. We've been treading the line ever since the line of chalk in the woods around which the sheriffs dance, the hulking shadows of bulldozers in the background. Packages of history stand and move through a crowd, words which, which carrying the bright fluid all unseen. The music, the words which change history tonight, though they are simple words. Words ordinary people can see right through, sensible, everyday, can hang them across their chimneys in red metallic foil for the draft to kick and infect with life. 
We are the limited species, the masters of stop now and control. Snap the, fillery, the slippery filament of smoke erected by the mill, the orange cash box at the gas station, and certain radio waves projecting happy, happy to the tune of die, fleece, be gone. We are the limited species. We recognize feelings as a series of vibrations in our bones. Otherwise, we are dull. That's all we ask. Why be ashamed of this? To be loved with words. When the doses come after agencies approve, and then the contractors aside, when the company moves in, then we go to the front lines. When the doses come. For the letters have been written, but the agencies ignore the certifiers are greenwashed, just an excuse to clear cut more when the doses come. And we haven't many pennies, but we've hearts within our chests, and if you wanna cut this forest, I will be cutting us as well when the doses come. Dozers Come, written and performed by Olive and Friends in the lobby of the so-called Trinidad Post Office. Jessica Curl grew up in the Redwood Forest of Elk, California, and now lives on the Mendocino Coast with her two children. She is an environmentalist and an aerial dancer who serves her community through her work as an acupuncturist, and a really good one, I would say, and an herbalist. She learned to dance in the Redwoods as a member of the Mendocino Dance Project, founded and run by Kara Starkweather. Jessica. Hi. So I'm going to read a piece I wrote um, to accompany these pictures um, that were taken when me and my daughter were staying up in Gemini Tree in Casper 500, which is a tree that was protected by forest protectors in a logging area um, right here in Casper. And my son and my partner, Cliff and Lloyd, who took the pictures, were living down below on the forest floor. And these were taken in the morning when I was coming down. I grew up and raised my children in the redwoods, but it wasn't until a few years ago that I learned to climb them, leaving my life on the ground to join life in the forest above. I love the feeling of my feet gripping the tree, the bark against my skin, the different sounds and smells up in the tree. Dancing with trees has been a whole new way for me to love and know these forests and myself. As a dancer, hanging from trees has been about letting go, following, and trusting momentum. As a practice, it has rearranged my sense of gravity and possibility. This fall, my daughter and I climbed up climbed up a beautiful redwood tree as part of our efforts to protect it and the forest that surrounds it. The first night, we awkwardly settled into our little platform over 60 feet up the tree. As the dark of the night surrounded us, I curled around the large body of the tree, small against its tall, deep-rooted form. I fell asleep between my daughter and the tree. I could feel the boundaries between us and the tree disappear. Still and quiet, I could feel it pull me in. 
The tree was rearranging my gravity. It wasn't disorienting like learning how to dance on the tree. It was centered. This is a photo of me coming down from that tree, dirty and different, more resolved and clear. The importance of this tree and this forest had become personal. For me, the movement to save Jackson Demonstration State Forest has been an invitation to rearrange our family's ideas about what is important, to believe in the possibility of saving something precious. In following the momentum of this movement, our family has taken this open invitation to let the forest change our hearts. We have decided to let that be the gravity that leads us into the future. That's all. It's been wonderful for our family to join so many community members in trying to do this impossible thing of saving these trees. So thank all of you that have been a part of that and that came tonight. Thank you, Jessica. I would like to say that as far as any of us know, that she's talking about probably the first and maybe the only time that a mother and daughter have tree sat together. And that was pretty inspiring for all of us. I was asked by Belvi to read a very short poem on page 33 that was written by Alice Walker. And it was written for this book. If you have the book in hand, the pictures are really lovely. Water hears the call of water to run. So it is with love. I didn't wait long enough. I see you all looking for the page 33. I am really the most inspired and honored by the last two people who are going to be joining us tonight. And I'm actually going to introduce them together. They're friends and they are two young people. One is Jessica's daughter, Sarah, who is truly one of the most inspiring people I know. And the other is Ravel, who is also truly one of the most inspiring people I know. Ravel is 12, Sarah is 15. They have been integral to this movement in the last year. Uh, Ravel Gautier is a 12-year-old student at Montessori Del Mar Community School. They are a youth climate change activist who is working with the trail stewards to prevent devastating logging in JDSF. This last summer, Ravel attended a climate change summit, which brought together youth from around the world to collaborate on local solutions for the current climate crisis. And Sarah, Sarah Rose is a 15-year-old sophomore at the Mendocino Community High School. She has been involved in direct action, organizing rallies and school strikes and doing outreach for the coalition, working to save JDSF. And together they have formed a new group, which they're gonna tell you about. I think we're gonna start with Ravel. Thank you, Chad. I'm Ravel Gautier, co-founder of the Mendocino County Youth for Climate and an avid climate activist. I have been working with the Mendocino Trail Stewards and the Coalition to Save Jackson Demonstration State Forest and independently throughout this movement. The MCYC, the Mendocino County Youth for Climate, is a newly formed local group of students from middle schools and high schools on the coast working to empower and educate youth on our place in the environmental movement. 
Currently, we are working on reaching out to schools throughout the county about the group in hopes of growing our members. JDSF is a huge part of our county, and as youth, we are speaking up against the destruction of our forest because it is our climate future that is impacted. I'm going to read my passage from the book, uh, which is as follows. I am 12 years old, and I fear my future. I know that my generation will bear the brunt of the effects of this climate disaster. It is no longer a question. If JDSF is logged, in addition to contributing to climate change, it will put this specific area at a heightened risk for wildfire. I don't know what my future is going to look like. In 30 years or 50 years, will Mendocino County be a sustainable place? Will it be a survivable place? It remains to be seen. But I will say that I'm afraid of what is coming if no action is to be taken. Thank you. Thank you, Ravel. Sarah. Hello, everybody. Thank you to everybody that's already spoken. It's great to hear your entries live like this. As a youth climate activist, I co-founded the Mendocino County Youth for Climate with Ravel. They've already talked about a bit, so I won't repeat anything. But my main goal with this group is to empower and educate other youth to get involved in local climate issues, especially what's going on in Jackson Demonstration State Forest. I joined the movement to save JDSF as a way to take action for the climate and our county. Growing up amongst the redwoods of Mendocino County, I knew the beauty and importance they hold. As a young person, I've grown up with the awareness of the climate crisis and how it will affect my future. The trees of JDSF are climate change heroes. Saving them saves us. Because of my involvement in the movement, I wrote this following piece in the book, which I'm going to read. Your blood rushes faster when you're standing in front of a huge log truck that's heading right for you. You forget how cold it is at 5 a.m. You forget how hungry you are or that you've been up for hours. You forget about everything in the world. Time kind of stops and it's just you and the people standing in the middle of the road with you and the truck and the trees. You know that if the driver was angry enough or didn't brake fast enough, it would be your life on the line. But that doesn't stop you. It doesn't stop you because you know what you're fighting for. And you know that keeping the trees standing is more important than anything else. That is a piece that I wrote after a particularly exciting morning of directed action. Okay, so I also have some updates about what's been going on with the movement to save JDSF. So for the past oh, quite a while, um, we've been adv advocating for a moratorium on all timber harvest and development of timber harvest plans until at a minimum JDSF has a new management plan with an environmental impact report that comprehensively addresses climate change. We are happy to report that the Board of Forestry has no new timber sales plan for 2022. This is a huge win. However, Casper 500 and Soto Gulch are still pending and they intend to push forward with these in the coming year. On top of that, many timber harvest plans are being developed, which means the painting of trees all over the 78 square, or, yeah, square mile forest. Little North Fork, Big River, and Mitchell Creek timber harvest plan approval has been delayed for the year, but it seems likely that they could be approved very soon. So keep writing letters to your representatives, keep donating, keep getting involved and learning more about what's happening because the fight isn't over. We're still very much here and still fighting hard to save this forest. 
I'm now going to invite Ravel back up to talk with me about the school strikes that we're organizing to support this coalition. So we co-founded the Mendocino County Youth for Climate to create a formal face for the youth in our county interested in activism and involved in the JDSF movement. We aim to educate and empower Mendocino County youth on local environment issues so that we can represent the youth's best environmental interests collectively. Part of what the Mendocino County Youth for Climate is doing is organizing school strikes. We put on a school strike on October 1st as a way to sort of kick off our group, and we're currently working to plan another one for the spring. Striking School for Climate is a way for us as students to show the community that we're willing to do whatever it takes to create a livable future. It allows us to advocate and be seen. For more information about the Mendocino County Youth for Climate and our upcoming school strike, you can email us at mendocinocountyyouthforclimate at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at the.mcyc. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Ravel. As I said before, you are a huge, huge inspiration to myself and to all of us. Thanks to Gallery Bookshop and Book Arts of Mendocino. And it's been an honor to be involved with all of you. And you can get a copy of our book, This Gem of a Forest, at the Gallery Bookshop, or also by going to our website, mendocinotrailstewards.org. Good evening and welcome back to the long-awaited return of the Second Grade Science Report with Chipmunk, who is just coming out of hibernation due to the strange summer weather in February. Good morning, Chipmunk. Are you still Chipmunk? Yeah. Chipmunk, why do birds sing? I don't know. Probably because... Because of their language? Well, that and... Are they trying to get themselves a mate to make baby birdies with? Maybe. I have no idea. Well, that's why the small birds called songbirds sing. But there's other birds that don't sing. They just squawk and stuff. So this one has been making a lot of noise outside of our yard for quite a while. Let's listen to it for a sec. What kind of bird was that? A woodpecker. Do you know what kind of woodpecker? I think I know what it is, but I don't know what it's called. Like the ones that have red on their red on the top of their head. Yeah, this is a pileated woodpecker. What is it doing? It's like trying to get food because it's pecking the, the tree. You're almost right. In this case, it is doing what songbirds do. It's making a lot of noise to try to attract a mate. It is drumming on a hollow snag, making a ton of noise. Pileated woodpeckers are knocking on snags all over our area right now. They are the largest woodpecker in Western North America. The ivory-billed woodpecker is larger, and it's endangered and possibly extinct, unfortunately. Oh, Chipmunk, thanks for being with us today. You're welcome. See you next time. And that was the second grade science report. are listening to the Trail Stewards Radio Hour with Chad Swimmer, Paul Schulman, and Chipmunk on KZYXNZ.
Thank you so much for spending this time with us here on the Trail Stewards Radio Hour. The third Tuesday of every month focusing on forest conservation, forest management, logging, and specifically Jackson State Forest. We hope you've learned as much as we did making this show. To hear past editions, go to www.mendocinotrailstewards.org, the media links page, where you will find all past episodes archived. You can also listen on kzyx.org, archive slash jukebox, or even better, get the KZYX Public Affairs app wherever you get your podcasts. With this convenient click, you can hear any of the many great shows put on entirely by volunteers on KZYX, listener-supported public radio for Mendocino County. I'd like to finish with the words of 12-year-old Ravel Gautier to Governor Newsom. You made a promise to the citizens of California, and if you don't fulfill that promise, being perhaps the one person who has the power to, what kind of politician are you? That is the $50 million question. We would like to thank Gene Parsons, the Miller Family Band, Lane Pascal, Sarah Constance Rose, Walker, Ravel Gautier, Vince Taylor, Belvy Rooks, Cal Winslow, Teresa Whitehill, Christy Olson Day, Jessica Curl Rose, Garth Hageman, Chipmunk, Rob Hawthorne, and I don't want to forget my friends Alicia Bales and Paul Schulman, without whom this show might not even be happening. The views and opinions expressed here on the Trail Stewards Radio Hour represent only the hosts and the guests of this show, not the management or staff of KZYX. Thank you for spending the hour with us, and we'll see you next month. The Trail Stewards Radio Hour. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.